Good morning. This is Attorney Vincent Davis, and we're on the radio live this morning on Get Your Kids Back Now, How to Fight CPS and DCFS and Win. Today's show, we're going to be focusing on what I call trials and what other people call our contested hearings. Um, as I usually start out with the show, there are three things that you need you absolutely need these three things if you are involved in a CPS or DCFS case. Number one, you need an experienced attorney. If you can't afford to hire a private attorney who kind of is an expert in this area, you should consider do, doing so, or you should at least consider having a consultation with them. Some attorneys charge for consultations. Some attorneys give free consultations initially. At our office, we give free consultations. But it must be done, and it must be done quickly. The second thing you need is you need to educate yourself. Google knows all. So start Googling the process. You can go to different websites. You can go to our law firm website and get information. We have downloads. We have videos. We have charts. Um, there is even a free book that I wrote, The Secret, How to Fight CPS and Win. Get that book. Read it. And then as you educate yourself, keep talking to your attorney so that you can effectively assist your attorney. The third thing that you have to do is that you have to mobilize as a group. You have to mobilize and you have to, how should I say this, vote in friendly legislators, friendly judges who are all pro-family. Um, there's a lot of things that happen in the juvenile dependency court, um, a lot of things that I view unfair, a lot of things that other people view as unfair. The only thing that you can do to make changes there is to make changes in the law and make changes with the judges who we elect to uh, serve as judges in these juvenile courts. Um, before we go any further, I'm going to take a first call this morning. It's from area code 714, uh, ending in 67. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Hello, Vince. My name is Scott. Hi, Scott. Was, How are you? Uh, good. How are you doing? Um, good. I, I got involved with CPS. My child was taken at birth. Um, he was born uh, addicted to methadone. His mother was at a methadone clinic and was monitored. And they knew, the doctors knew, that uh, they were on the methadone. And I went to pick my baby up from the hospital, and my baby was gone. My baby was immediately taken from us and put into foster care. And then I immediately got into the system, and I... Before I even got my first court date, they were already looking at adopting my child out without even giving me a trial. Well, they ended up giving me a trial, and I was awarded services. The mother was not awarded services. I did the services that were asked of me and went to my first six-month hearing. This is before I had an attorney. I had a public defender. And not that they're bad attorneys, but they're way overworked and they're not experts and they can't give you the time that you need for your case because they're so busy. So anyway, I went to the 
went through the whole process. I did the parenting classes, the programs they were asking me to do, the counseling, the random drug testing, everything. And at my six-month review, they said, well, we're still not going to give you your child back. Do it for another six months. So I went and I did it for another six months. I went to my year review. And at that point, I had almost 300 clean drug tests. Um, I finished my counseling. I never missed a visit with my son. My son was placed in foster care all the way in Orange County, which is a two-and-a-half-hour drive for me. And I only got two hours with him once a week for an entire year. And at that point, when I went back to court and they said, no, we're just not going to give them to you. We're going to adopt them out to these other people. That's when I had to get it together to get an attorney. And that's when I went and found um, Vincent Davis' his law firm and got an attorney. And then things immediately started to change for me. So at that point, it took another six months. We were almost at the 18-month mark where the child had to be permanently placed, either with, either with an adopted family or with myself. And at that point, I had done the entire program, never missing a visit, never missing a counseling session, never having a dirty drug test, completing programs, having to go to Narcotics Anonymous meetings, NAA meetings, constantly. It was a full-time job. It was everything I had to do was just focused on getting my son back, and I did it to the letter and to the T. At that point, we went up to about the 18-month mark, and I went into court, and they just, all of a sudden, when I went in with a real lawyer who knew the laws and could talk to these people in a proper manner, things started to finally change for me. And at that point, they were like, oh, well, we're just going to give them back now. And I was like, are you kidding me, right? Like, well, I was so happy that they were going to give them back that finally he was given back and I was given unsupervised visits overnight and now the child's placed back into my home and we have finally closed the case thanks to um, Vincent Davis's law firm and I have the child with me in full custody and he is absolutely thriving. So that's what I went through and it was dealing with these people was a horrible experience. They they really get in your face and they they run you through the ringer and you have to take it all with a smile and move forward and do the best you can and try to stay positive while your child's been how I feel has been absolutely stolen from you. But that was my experience, and that's well, what I, I have I want to, to thank you for thank you for sharing. Can I ask you a couple questions that uh, maybe our listeners might be invo- interested in? Absolutely. You know, before you uh, called our office, you were in court. Uh, did you think that you were going to get your child back because you had done nothing wrong? Yes. And, and what did you find? And what did you find about that assumption? That I was that that assumption was totally a, a wrong assumption to have. The only way you're going to get your child back from these people is if you do something illegal and go take him back yourself without an attorney, and you can't do that. 
because you're never going to get your child back at that point. You know, so it it was a horrible, horrible. You know, you mentioned something um, that I'm not sure that I was aware about your case. Um, So at the very beginning of your case, um, they took the child away from you and the mother just based upon something the mother had done. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct, yes. You know, at the beginning of your case, you had um, the right to have a trial. Actually, you had the right to have two trials. One is called the jurisdictional hearing. You could have had a trial there, and you could have had a trial at what's called the dispositional hearing. Did Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Did you ever have a trial? Yes, I had. I finally got a trial, I believe, at the disposition hearing, which they were asking for no services, immediately take the child and adopt him out. And with that public defender, I actually won in trial and was awarded services to do the work to get the child back. But why didn't they give you the child back at the disposition hearing? Because at the disposition hearing, they have to prove by clear and convincing evidence that you're, you are a substantial danger to the child. How, how were they ever able to prove that if you had done nothing wrong in the case? They tried to use a criminal history against me, prior arrest from years past for... Um, possession and things but at that point I was already in an 18 month long program I had a year sober and clean and was working and was a productive member of society Um, by no means um, Vince was I fixed but I was on my way to being fixed and I was financially stable and able to have the child at that point but they were just like, no, you're, you can't have them because you've been a bad guy years prior. And these these um, things that happened to me were 15 years old. Wow. I wish we had met earlier. I think I could have done something for you way back then instead of waiting all this time. You know, when your child was in foster care, who was she placed with? Don't tell me their names. Just tell me who they were. They were a couple from Orange County. Um, They weren't placed with family. They never even contacted any of my family members. My family members tried to go. I have an older daughter who's 23 years old. She tried to get get the child back. They wouldn't give it to her. They said that uh, she was too naive for the child to be placed. Yes, too naive. That's what it says in the paperwork. You know, one of the things I want to tell you and tell our audience, when a social worker says, I do not agree to placing this child with this relative or with this close family friend, you and every family out there has a right to go to court and ask the judge to make that decision. If you just accept the social worker's decision, you know, you're not going to get any place. So there are motions and forms and things that you can do to ask for a hearing or a trial to prove that this child should be placed with relatives right up front. You know, I hear a lot of times, 
um, people come to me and they say, my kids are in foster care. And I look at them and I say, well, don't you have any relatives? And they say, well, we have lots of relatives. And, you know, some of the relatives are out of the state, out of the county, out of the country even. And I tell them, your relatives, no matter where they live in the world, in the world, have a right to get that child placed with them. The social worker may not want to do it. The judge may not want to do it. But that's the law. So make sure that when, you know, these for my listeners, if you are a relative or have relatives, they can get these children out of foster care and be placed with the relatives to keep the, these children in the family. Scott, I want to thank you for calling in. Do you have any one last, you know, one nugget of advice that you can give the listeners who have these types of cases? Yes, um you have you have to be patient through the system and the main thing was when everything changed for me was when I got Vincent Davis's law firm involved then things started changing they were like oh well we can't do this to him anymore he's got somebody that knows what they're doing somebody that can tell us hey you can't do that to him you can't do it and before I got Vincent Davis's law firm involved I had no play in the courtroom, no say. I was shut down completely at every turn, even though I completely did everything above and beyond what I was supposed to do to try to get my child returned to me. And you, they tell you you have to take that with a smile and be nice and not get angry, but your your child's gone, so just be patient. And my biggest advice to anybody that is in this predicament is get it together to find an attorney that can help you that knows what they're doing in those courtrooms. Otherwise, you do not have a chance against these people. Scott, thank you for calling in. Thank you. So one of my topics this morning was um, contested hearings, trials, which I call trials because in my opinion, they're really trials um, in the juvenile court. And let's talk about the trials that happened at the six-month review date. And I want to tell you an example of a case that I just took on. Uh, this gentleman lives in the Bay Area in California. His uh, uh, his case, his juvenile dependency case, is actually here in uh, Orange County, so in Southern California. And it's a case where uh, two of his children were taken away from him and the mother. The mother is currently incarcerated, and he works, um, and, you know, he just works up in Northern California. Um, he had a six-month review hearing where he could have gotten the child back. At this point in time, we didn't represent him. But at that hearing, and I find, you know, this is, you know, I find this incredible. He showed me some emails from his court-appointed attorney that said, don't worry, don't come down to the hearing. It's not necessary. So, you know, he trusted his attorney. He took the attorney's advice, and he didn't come down. We're facing now a 12-month hearing, um, but everything is the same. He could have won uh, and gotten his child back approximately six months ago. Now we're going to hearing. We're going to be going to a trial on his 12-month hearing, and in my opinion, we're going to win that hearing hands down. Um, so, you want to make sure at these hearings that you have uh, a trial if you don't agree with the social worker's recommendation that the child not be returned home. 
I get the feeling sometimes that people don't like to do trials. Trials take a lot of time. Uh, they take a lot of effort. There's witnesses that are called that may be perhaps inconvenienced. But you have the constitutional right to have a trial. So if you don't agree with what the social worker social worker has recommended, make sure you talk to your attorney about the need for a trial. Now, in some rare instances, the attorney may counsel you and say, hey, you shouldn't have a trial. Have I ever done that? Yes, I have. But it's something that you should consider, and if you're not going to have a trial, you need an explanation of why you're not going to have a trial. Um, so let's take another call right now. This one is area code 312, ending in 05. Hello, you're on with Hi. Attorney Vincent Davis. Hi, Vincent Davis. Uh, how are you, sir? Good. How are you doing this early on a Saturday morning? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much. I'm actually going to remain anonymous um, just because of a lot of the things that have come out of DCFS as well as, uh, I'm second, just a lot of my personal life and job and everything else. But uh, sure. I thought it was very important for me to uh, call in to let your uh, viewers and listeners definitely know uh, number one of uh, the organization and uh, firm that you guys run, but just about a, a little bit about my story because uh, I do listen weekly to your your show, and I hear a lot of biological parents having issues, and they're they're normally the ones uh, that's coming forward to getting attorneys and fighting for their children back. But I'm a little bit different. I'm a foster parent, and uh, although I agree with uh, number one, the child shall be with biological parents. There just are some unfortunate cases where some children do not have that. And in my case, that's exactly uh, the situation. So in order to get my question out there, I do want to share my story, if you don't mind. Go ahead. So uh, I, I came across three sibling uh, brothers who were all separated. Uh, and this goes back um, from pretty much their birth uh, over two years ago. Um, I'm African-American, they're Hispanic, that really didn't matter to me. All I knew is that they had um, come from all different placements. They had been in several different placements up until that time. They suffered from a tremendous amount of behavior issues, prenatal drug exposures, alcohol exposures, general neglect. Um, and then, just to make matters even worse, they all had medical and psychological um, special needs. So. These were my kids. I knew that these were the kids. I went through the process just for them, uh, just by finding out a little bit about them. Um, so to make a long story short, two years has gone past. Um, I've done a tremendous job with uh, just trying to be the best advocate I can for my children. Uh, they need a lot of work, and I put them in special needs schools. They've made uh, significant strides in just the the top of the charts and you know, doing everything that they possibly can do uh, to be the best children that they can, and they're doing great. Um, as I'm their advocate and their father is what I see for my boys, um, I've often questioned why this adoption taking so long. Uh, it's already been two years, and I've gone through a private um, adoption fostering agency, and they are supposed to act as my liaison, and they've been fine as well, but they're not as eager as to questioning DCFS. They'll come with the question to me, is, why is this taking so long? I'm like, I don't know. That's your job. But uh, it, it's very frustrating. But moving on, 
um, I'm kind of one that stands up for myself. I'm very respectful. I'm professional. Um, and I love my children. So um, I basically uh, contacted uh, DCFS, um, and on board of that is a social worker who is not too fond of me because I stand up for my children. I'm not just going to throw them in any type of program um, just because they say so. I will not just take them to um, a doctor just because of their recommendations, saying that my kids should have a special helmet put on them when a doctor is saying, no, your, your child's fine, he doesn't need a helmet. But DCFS, I've learned over just two years um, from my social worker, uh, based on whatever is in her head, she feels uh, there's a lot um, that she knows, even over doctors, you know, and the doctors are saying, no, your, your child does not need this. So with me standing up for myself came the day of January 14th, and I was basically meeting at my house where six social workers, including supervisors, uh, came in, and they just went over everything. We got everything on track, and I laid everything out, and I said, look, we got to move forward with this adoption because there's just a lot of setbacks because I can't provide the needs for my children if they're not adopted to me. You know, there's always waiting lists and this and that, uh, that DCFS has, which I understand is a big backlog. They're not the only children. But um, it really hurts me, you know. And I said, we got to move forward with this. They looked over everything that I had been doing, and they said, you know what, we're going to move forward with this. But for the next month, you've done everything you're supposed to do, and we're going to be going to do the signing of the adoption. The look in the eyes of my particular social worker, she was devastated. She was angry. She was just living. I thought I was looking at the devil. And I I didn't get it, you know, but uh, everyone's walking out of the house because we had come up with a plan, adoption, I'm happy. Everyone's happy. She said, she stopped everyone. She said, hold on a second. I have to go back to the back room. And my kids were playing back there, having a great time, as they always do. She said, I have to speak to, to the children. Uh, it probably went on 20, 30 minutes, and she comes out of the back room, and she says, uh, she calls for her supervisor. They, they didn't call for me. They said, can you lift up their shirt, their pants, take off of this and that? And I said, okay, what's this about? Long story short, um, with with me and my profession, I said, uh, okay, what, what's going on? She said, oh, we just have to do an inspection of the children. Um, I said, okay, no problem. So we did that. Nothing's on my baby. Nothing's on my um, uh, three, four, five-year-old. And um, there's a few different marks and whatnot, so they're looking really close. And then I walk out, and they come out, and they finally say, yeah, uh, the one child, he looks very nervous. He's running around. He's not talking to me. He just seems like he's scared. The baby, uh, he was nothing but one years old because he can't talk. Uh, it's kind of concerning with them being in your household. There may be an issue going on here as far as beating them or something like that when there's I say, excuse me. Uh, yeah, we just can't clarify that because they can't speak for themselves. Then it, it changed to my oldest son saying, which I don't believe this, but saying that I hit him with a belt, okay? So I said, wait a second. This doesn't even make sense. But I remained cool, calm, and collected, and I said, do what you got to do. And they said, okay, we're going to take the children. I said, okay, do what you got to do. They had no car seats, no nothing. I said, let me get some car seats for you. Let me do this. Let me do that. I, the kids were traumatized absolutely traumatized. They were fighting the social workers off, saying, I love you, Daddy. What's going on? We were going to go to Chuck E. Cheese after this. 
I said, calm down, son. It's, it's okay. They take the children out of the house. As I'm grabbing the car seats, this social worker was so uh, malicious. We're talking about the Department of Children, Family, and Services, who are supposed to be the top experts for the children. She left without even um, getting the, 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 the base of the car seat for my infant who's under 20 pounds, throwing him just in the car seat, strapping him in, taking off with him, with all three of them. And I was hot. I was hot because, I, you know, it's for the safety and well-being of the children, and that was not the case. And so immediately I said, i, I got to do this the right way. I can't go in. I, I've never been in any situ- situation like this. Um, I hear a lot of your callers. They have criminal backgrounds. I have nothing. I've never been involved in anything. I'm, I'm, I'm a very nice guy. I'm kind-hearted. I just wanted the best for these children because, you know, that was me one day. You know, that used to be me, and I want to give back, you know, like an individual gave back to me in my lifetime. So I immediately knew I had to get an attorney that was powerful in the courtroom to get my children back because I don't know what I'm doing. So I called you. You gave me a consultation over the phone. You approved me. I was in right away, and we got the ball rolling, and I was assigned to uh, Sherwin Amazon, who is absolutely fantastic. So learned that I was supposed to have a hearing and all types of different things to take place actually relatively quickly right after the kids were taken out of my household. That never happened. Um, I don't know the terminologies. You'll be able to explain that in a moment. But that never happened for me, and I was named prospective adoptive parent since 2014. And as I go throughout my case now, I'm starting to wonder is this with the questions of this social worker that have always come up to me, and I'm just a little bit naive to it, but, hey, what church are you taking them to? Is it a Catholic church? You know, um, you know the, the kids are Hispanic, similar. They share the same ethnicity and, and race as her, uh, Latino. Um, you know they require going to a Catholic church, and are you also te- teaching them Spanish? I said, well, no, ma'am, I don't even know Spanish. I'm learning myself. So she'd always be writing these notes down and whatnot. I'm African-American, and it just so happens I am a gay male, and I live um, and I do this by myself as a single parent. So if that being stated, um, and with these kids being traumatized, number one, primarily from domestic abuse, from numerous, uh, from just their biological parents, and then being in a stable household, and now them being ripped away and in the households that they were just put into, the foster homes I've learned, up until this day, the people could not handle them. They were out of control, you know. It was never that way at my household, you know. Why on this particular day, all of a sudden, out of two years, the same social worker, now she has found some type of evidence, actually no evidence, but she states that, oh, they're getting beat, uh, someone's getting hit with a belt, and this and that. So as we move forward, we finally got our court date. That sure and fault to get that. That was last week. We had a police report that was done. The sergeant over there actually completed the police report because uh, they don't even give it to a regular police officer from what I learned. They give it to a sergeant who has over 30 years who handles these specific needs. He absolutely tossed the case out, and he called me. This was from a sergeant. I have no idea who he was or anything. And he said, sir, you're listed as a suspect in this investigation. I've conducted my investigation, and let me just tell you something. You need to get you an attorney if you don't already have one. 
this is some type of civil suit. I don't, I don't smell any. There's no wrongdoing here. I'm closing this out. I've spoken to your children. I've conducted my investigations. I've talked to DCFS workers. There's something else going on here that's targeting you. That was number one. That's closed out. Number two, the DCFS has their uh, internal investigator come over to do her investigation. Hers has come back as non-sustained. It's uh, inconclusive is what they call it. So that's the second um, governmental organization who has investigations against me, completely squashed and closed. The third one and the last one, which is from the home licensing department, which is the state who um, basically certifies my house as a foster and adoptive home, kids has come back the same way. Nothing found, case closed. So as we went into court the other day, and we're, and by the way, there were no pictures taken of any of my children. If there was any type of abuse, I don't care if it was sexual abuse, um, the physical abuse, we've all learned that you should take pictures, you know? Uh, this is what's done. If, if uh, there's a, a woman and a man beating each other and the police were to go arrest them, pictures will be taken. So I said, let me take some pictures. Well, they took no pictures. Why is that? There was nothing. There was absolutely nothing. But I took them on my own. I presented that with uh, my attorney. He presented that to the courtroom on top of the documentation from not only those individuals from the investigations, but from my doctors as well. Um, my question to you is, the individuals at the court, the county council, the minor's attorney, the DCFS worker who actually put this allegation on me, she wasn't even in the courtroom. Why is it that DCF, DCF, DCFS workers who put these allegations on individuals, they are not there? We have a county council, and they have the minor's attorney who are there reading a report, and they're going to side directly with DCFS. But the actual person who put the allegation on the individual is not even in court. She's on vacation. And this is all pre-planned. That's issue number one. You know, if a police officer were to go to court uh, and with, with someone else on a traffic citation or a criminal uh, uh, investigation, if that officer does not show up, that case is tossed out. You know, everyone there has to be there because everyone has a right to testify. So they told me, no, you can't testify. They also have stated, um, why don't you, you know, why don't you probably get some other foster children? They asked my attorney, hey, um, is he really going to go down this route, you know, with fighting? Because if he does, he's probably going to hurt himself, you know, and hurt himself. What does that mean? Well, he's probably not going to be able to foster or adopt at all, you know. So it's basically, to me, that sounds like threats, you know. And it's just really sad that the system is like this. This is DCFS you're talking about. And I've learned by listening to your show and by dealing with your fantastic organization, all the way to the clerks who answer the phones, you know, they don't just target the biological parents. They target the foster parents, the adoptive parents, and anyone else in the, in the situation also who are doing the right things for these children. And it really kills me inside and I want my children back. I still don't have them back. I don't want other foster children because I don't just view these as foster children. I view them as my children. And so I'm just looking for any help or advice um, from you. Okay. So <clears throat> let, me, uh, let me tell you this, and uh, it's a short story. Um, 
Many years ago, I was representing a woman who was a grandmother from uh, New York. And the case was here in uh, Los Angeles, in Monterey Park. And um, the grandmother happened to be Jamaican. Jamaican, you know, that was her ethnic background. And we had a uh, social worker on the stand trying to explain to the judge why she didn't want to give these kids to the grandmother who lived in New York. And I forget the ethnicity of the social worker, but I think she was a Latina. I just, I don't remember clearly. But what, at one point during the cross-examination by me of the social worker, she was getting um, a little exacerbated. Towards the end, she said something to the effect, well, I don't want to give the children to the grandmother in, you know, in, in New York. She's Jamaican. And everybody knows Jamaicans are drug dealers. The judge, who his name was Commissioner Ginzer, looked at her, looked at um, the county council, and if I remember correctly, he stood up and just walked off the bench. He couldn't believe what she was here what he had just heard. There was another there was another incident where I was representing a mother and the testimony of this and she was living with a boyfriend and the testimony of the social worker was something like this. Um I don't, you know, it came all the way to the end and I, we got down to the real reason. And she said something like, I don't want to give the child back to or the children back to the mother because um, she's living in sin with her boyfriend. They're not married. Wow. So I tell you, the, I tell you those two stories because social workers are people and like other people, they have prejudices. They discriminate. Now, you would think to yourself, oh, they're not supposed to do that. They're governmental workers, blah, 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 blah. I would venture to say that probably all of us have some type of discrimination or prejudice. It's just a human weakness that we have. Um, But in your case, you said you're an African-American male, strike one. You said that you were um, gay, strike two. And perhaps, you know, she brought up the whole religion thing, and you're not the right religion, strike three. So what happened in your case is this worker, you know, and you described it, you described it so perfectly. You you painted a picture. When her supervisor said you were going to adopt, she takes the kids in the back room or go finds the kids in the back room and comes out with allegations of physical abuse. In my opinion, this is nothing but prejudice against you. And luckily for you, the investigations that have done been done by the police department, the state, and even the county's own investigator has found no evidence of abuse by you against these children. Now, absolutely. We, when you go to court, here's the problem you're facing. And by the way, we will have that social worker and the supervisor who made, you know, who was there at the meeting and the worker who made these allegations, they will be brought to court. 
they will have to testify. I can assure you that the county council doesn't want to put that social worker on the witness stand because now what they're afraid of, especially since you've hired our office, what they're afraid of is they're going to get sued, not only by right. you, but by the kid, by the kids. Now, tell you another story. Many, many, many years ago, um, I was a court-appointed attorney under, and it was a different system. And under that system, you would represent parents, you would represent relatives, you would represent children. So a lot of these court-appointed attorneys tell me today, oh, you don't know what it's like representing a child. You never represented a child. Well, they, they weren't around 15, 16 years ago when I did represent children and parents and relatives. And I find a lot of times, you know, and it's hard for me to say that the, the attorney doesn't have any evidence because everyone has their own judgment. But I find a lot of times so, um, children's attorneys just take the position of the social worker. And I'm not sure why. And a lot of times it's done when they haven't even done their own private or their own their own investigation. You know, in the old days, the judge that I worked for or the court that I worked in, he made, if you represented a kid, you had to go out and talk to that kid for yourself. Absolutely. I, 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 you know, I think that rarely happens these days. So you ask me those questions. I think, I, you know, the answers are, you know, things that people don't want to hear. You know, it's just straight out prejudice against you. And hopefully that we will get those witnesses into court, including the social worker, and the judge will make a decision so that those children will be, be returned back to you. Absolutely, and that's most important. And I really appreciate that. And I know you have a few more callers, so I want to be as quick as possible. One thing I do want to touch on and throw back out to you is my attorney actually said while at court that the county council, every time he took in the different reports and submitted it to him, the pictures he submitted it to him, um, they always they they just keep going around the wagon and and they throw something else out. Okay, well, okay, it's not physical abuse. It may be neglect now because the kids are small. My kids are special needs. They all have prenatal drug exposure. They're all small. <laughs> um, actually, they're bigger than what they were since they've been with me. And then after that, it's um, oh well, they're bonded now with the the new household, which is a Hispanic family, the mother and the father. Uh, also a straight family who has only had them for three weeks, not even, you know, they call her mommy now, you know, they're, so they're doing all types of things. And she said the county council actually told him, no, no, there's no evidence that's needed. No evidence is needed, you know. So it's just very sad to me. And uh, one thing you did state before the show came on, you said um, what's needed when you're going through this process, you said, number one, you need an experienced attorney. Uh, one thing I did learn from all of you guys is you don't need an experienced attorney. You need an experienced attorney, and you also need an experienced attorney team. And one thing Sherwin always uh, relays over to me is he's going back to the office or he's going to go speak to you and going to speak to another individual there. And you guys just colla collaboratively come together. And although I don't see you, you know, I've met you one time and I've spoken to you now, you know, it, it just feels so good having a team of experts and attorneys come together for um, my particular case and all the other individuals who uh, call into you to get your services. So it takes a team effort, and I really do appreciate that. And for all of the other listeners out there um, who are going through this situation, whether you're a biological uh, parent who has lost your children or a foster parent or adoptive parent, whatever it may be, 
um, this is the place you want to call, you know, and although I have not gotten my, my children back, there's no way, you know, no way that I would have been able to get through to this far. And I'm just praying for the best. And I put all my trust and efforts into all of you. And I really appreciate it, Mr. Davis. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for your call this morning. Wonderful. Have a nice one. So going back to our topic about trials, a trial is where witnesses are called, they're put on the stand under oath, they're examined, they're cross-examined. Even the judge may have questions for the witness. Generally, at a six-month review hearing, you're going to have multiple witnesses. You're going to have the social worker who's recommending the children not be returned to you. You're going to have your service providers, your parenting instructor, your counselor, uh, your drug counselor, your anger management person. You're going to subpoena in documents uh, all of your clean drug tests. You know, there's sometimes opening or closing arguments. Uh, that is a trial. Now, this could take a few hours. could take a couple of days, you know, a few hours over a couple of days. But you have to, in my opinion, insist or at least talk to your attorney to make sure that or to find out why a trial should not uh, happen. I'm going to take another call right now. This is area code 951 ending in 04. Hello. You're on with attorney Vincent Davis. Hello, Mr. Davis. This is Michael Gallus. How are you? I'm good, Michael. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. You know, I just wanted to comment on the other two callers, you know, sticking with Mr. Davis's law firm, you know, I I assure you you'll get your kids back. You know. Well, thank um, you for having that faith in, in us. Why don't you tell, tell us a little bit about your story, Michael? Well, my story started with um, my my other half, which is my girlfriend, um, we're not married. Um, she, she's an addict. And uh, this plays a key in the last three of my cases. Um, I'm only going to tell you about the recent one. Um, basically, my wife, she was under the influence. Well, actually, she had taken off for about a couple of days. And when she had come home, I noticed that she was under the influence. Now, due to prior two other cases of CPS, you know, I told her that she wasn't allowed in the home. Um, so at this time, she proceeded to the police station, made all these accusations of, um, let's say, there's a gun, there's uh, bullet holes in the in the walls, and just off-the-wall accusations, pretty much, because she was coming down, and she said it had been like three days. Um, and what the most... The thing is, what I've seen CPS prize on the most is drug addicts. I've had a lot of friends have lost their kids due to this. Um, I've never, I've never been a drug addict. I've tested clean for CPS from all prior cases. Um, so I'm going to proceed with the story, though. We went to the police station. They made these accusations. The police came to my house, brought me down to the station. Um, asked me the questions like, was this your gun? Is this your, you know, is this happen at your house? Did this, no. And I, and I denied to them. I said, no, I, I've never seen that gun. I've never had any, any anything to do with any of that. Miss um, McManus is, I believe, is under the influence and whatnot, and I believe that there uh, there's holes in her story. So she then, then the police officer proceeded to tell me, Okay, well, we need to go to your house to check and verify the home to make sure everything's okay. 
and if everything's fine, we'll leave the children. They proceeded. They checked. They verified the home. Everything was fine. They left me with the children. They did not call Child Protective Services whatsoever. They said that they were going to make a referral. And at that time, I didn't then ask because I have had two prior cases, like I've said. I didn't ask and said, well, all my stuff is packed up. I'm leaving for, you know, a different state in two days. She, officer told me, well, there shouldn't be a problem. You don't have a case open. There's, you know, I'm just making a referral because that's what I have to do. I, I said, okay, well, thank you. And when when Christina, she, Christina was was arrested, but she got out the very next day. She wasn't arrested for any drugs. She wasn't arrested for any of the anything that she had a, made uh, uh, accusations on me for. Nothing like that. Well, I proceeded to take off out of the state. I loaded up, had everything loaded up, took off out of state with the mother. And then they got, then they came all the way to New Mexico. That's where I was at. And then they they found the kids after I think it was like a month and a half, and they proceeded to tell me that I did not cooperate with their services. I did cooperate. I answered every question that when they called, when the social worker called over the phone. I told her where I was at. I told her what state I was in. I even told her what city I was in in the state. And I guess they somehow obtained these child abduction warrants like I had taken my kids from CPS, which the kids were never in CPS custody. Never. Not one time. There was just going to be a referral made. And, you know, I I didn't really understand the whole thing. You know, the whole thing was there's neglect on my part. All they had was accusations, accusations and accusations, and they ran with it. They ran with all the accusations. The the officer that night at the police station didn't test mom. Mom doesn't have a dirty drug test. So how do we know if mom was dirty at the time? We don't know. You know? Um, they, they, there were CPS workers at the police station when I was there with the children. They they did nothing. They said it wasn't an emergency. Said so go home and check and verify that the kids are okay. That the father's got food in the refrigerator. Everything's fine. And go and, and and if it is, then leave them home. That's exactly what the social workers told her. And that's what the cops did. So at this time, when they took him from another state, I, we had to rush back for another hearing. And the hearings only, I think you only have, um, I think it's police. I think it's a uh, three three days. Two or three days, I believe. So I rush back from New Mexico, go back to the first hearing. I get in the courtroom. I get handed a packet, and it says, your children are going for adoption. I get the public pretender to come out there. Oh, I'm sorry, the public defender. I get them to come out there. They say, oh, well, this is your third case, Mr. Gallus. Guess what's going to happen? Your kids are going for adoption. There's no hope. I mean, the, you guys have done messed up too many times. It's just the same allegation, neglect. Oh, and, and, they, and they, they were saying that I was on drugs. They said that, and I've never tested dirty through the other two cases. Never, not to this day, I've tested dirty for them. They said that I was uh, I was dirty on uh, heroin, meth, and coke. Don't know where they got all those assumptions at, but that's what they said. So they proceeded to tell me that they needed me to take a hair follicle, which I did, and I passed clean. And uh, that was still the recommendation was to adopt out because I was going to stay with the mother who was an addict that I just think that needs help. You know, she's not a bad mother. She's never put her kids in danger. There's never, you know, but just because she's an addict and and she has to work on these coping skills that she has, she she they want they automatically want to split a family up instead of trying to reunify them. And um basically so I got the neglect. They hit me with the neglect charge. 
or the neglect, you know. You, you neglect your child, so we're going to take them. Well, well, they already had them, but that's the reason they they, 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 they stayed in custody or uh, reprimanded to the court. And so at this time, we didn't really know what to do, so I hired actually a different lawyer. Um, a, a, before Vincent Davis, I hired another lawyer. And, you know, they got the adoption off the table. The thing was it took the amount of time that it took was, you know, it, it was a lot of time. And I think it was like six to eight months for them to get the, the adoption off the table. It might have been six months. And, you know, that that was all fine. And, Daniel, they got the adoption off the table. But the, the attorneys didn't really know what they were doing. Um, so she got off the case because she felt it was too much for her. And I, I let her go because I just didn't feel like she, she knew what she was doing. Um, so then I... Uh, then my wife, you know, who had been clean at this time for six months, um, been testing everything, you know, been in her program, doing what she needs to do. This time she was on fighttps.com. Um, and we just happened to see Mr. Davis's law firm on it. And when we saw that, we were like, okay, well, this is what this woman, yeah, fighttps.com, I believe, is ran by a woman who, you know, puts stories out there and tries to help these families. She's an ex-attorney and whatnot, and I believe that she, she she really did help us. She she gave us Mr. Vincent's, you know, she said this is a good law firm, highly recommended in the Los Angeles area, you know, call them, see what they can do. So I did. I proceeded to call Mr. Davis's office, had a consultation over the phone, you know, went down there, sorted some stuff out, got into court, and I, I, don't, know, I don't remember how long it took, I'm not recollection, but I believe it was another six months and then uh, we, we have our kids back now. And, uh, you know, through that whole time, they were just, you know, basically lose all hope. You're not going to get your kids back. Third case, done deal, you know. And um, so that's, that's, my, that's, that's a little bit of my story. Um, and my, my thing is for parents out there, for, uh, you know, the gentleman that was just on the phone, you know, you know just, keep, just keep trying. Don't let them, don't let them, don't let them take your hope away. There's never not a never. You keep going no matter what. You fight till the fight, you know, you can't fight anymore. And, uh, you know, I, I believe Mr. Davis, he, he, he knows what he's doing. He does. He got my kids back, and I got them back. And, you know, we got it. We got a court hearing coming up in April, and hopefully we can close the case. Uh, and uh, that's all we can do, you know, as parents and uh, as uh, foster parents and whatnot. Yes, Mr. Davis. No, I was just gonna thank you for calling in and asking how are the kids doing. Oh yeah, Mr. Davis, the kids are great. They're they're uh, they're getting all ready. I think we're gonna take them skating today. There's a an epic skate rink down there because they uh, they have this new fitness thing where if you uh, sign your kids up to help obesity and stuff. Not that my kids are obese, but you know keep your kids healthy. You know exercise an hour a day. But uh, you take them down there, they get free passes and they enjoy themselves. Especially at the skate rink, they love it. So, and uh, other than that, they've been really good, my buddy. Well, Michael, so, uh, I want to I want to th- thank you for calling in and sharing your story with us today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it, Mr. Davis. Anything, you know? I uh, I wish everybody Alrighty. the best of luck out there. Thank you. All See right. You in April. We'll talk to you later, Mike. Bye bye. Uh, we're getting short on time, but I'm going to go ahead and take another call. Area code 951, ending in 27. 
Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Good morning. You're on the radio. Hello? Hello. Hello. Can you hear me, boss? I can hear you. Yeah, my name, my name Yeah, I'm okay. My name is Casey. I'm sorry. I'm uh, actually working right now. Uh, my wife and I have two children. And just listening to the last calls, I realized that I'm just barely starting with all the BS I got to put up with. Um, last year, me and my wife were going to get a divorce. And they got a little nasty here and there, like the divorces are supposed to and whatnot. Well, when we were split up, her father had found that, you know, she had methamphetamine in the house. And we were not together at the time. We had actually split up and we were getting a divorce. Now, that being said, uh, sorry, i got to kind of concentrate. I'm a concrete boom operator, and I'm working at the same time, and I couldn't get a Bluetooth this morning, so kind of bear with me. The very first time TPS came by, my wife was turned in by her father. She obviously got drug tested. The social worker, Vernon, he came over and talked to her family, and then he came over to my dad's house. I was staying at my dad's house. She was staying at her parents' house. Our kids have always been healthy. They've never had any problems. They're not malnourished. They're very big boys. I'm about 6'1". I'm a big guy, but I don't force for anything. I'm as nice as they come. I kid you not, my uh, Bernie comes over and tells me what I've said. And I said, okay, that's fine. He asked if he could drug test me. I said, not a problem, boss. Go ahead. He drug tests me. I come out clean. He looks at me astonished. Now, this is just the first one. This isn't the first time. Once my wife got caught with marijuana in her system while she was pregnant. No big deal. The kid came out. He's healthy. He's fine. He's doing great. You know, they asked me if I knew about it. I go, man, my hours are ridiculous. In my line of work, it's feast to famine. When the work's there, you got to run out and you got to get it. If not, someone else will. I'm very good at what I do, but it doesn't matter. Jobs have to get done. I took a, come, uh, a job close to home once my boys were born, so my hours wouldn't be so hectic and crazy. But with all that being said, I just clean. He had already had a safety plan made up and written up to where my children were going to stay at my mother and father-in-law's house, and he talked me into it for the simple fact, yes, I do work very a lot to support my family. Okay, I agree to it. I didn't know I was going to have to pull strings when I was the one who had custody. At the time, I had to pull strings just to see my children from my in-laws you know, I go over there, they call the cops. Every time the cops were called, if I didn't check in, they wanted me to sign up for some family wizard, and I was like, are we adults or are we children? You know, I'll call you on the phone, and I'm on my way down. Just plan on me being here every single Saturday. I was living in Santa Ana in my van, working out there for a company. They totally agreed with everything I had going on. They said, not a problem, work with you, which is rare in my line of work. Now, all that led to the second time. We got back together. When she got out of rehab, she was clean. Everything was great. Second time she got caught by CPS, her father turned her in. Now, mind you, every single time she got caught by CPS or turned in, the children went to my father-in-law's house. After this time, Vernon McBride, or Vernon asked me for a uh, urine sample. Not a problem, boss. I'm in Santa Ana. The closest one was in Riverside. Not a problem. You know, you just tell me when you want me to go. Had to pull some strings. He called me. I went down there immediately. 
tested, tested clean, never argued, never said anything wrong, always complied with everything they asked for, because that's what I was told, or else you're going to be in the system, and you're going to have to jump through hoops. Now, this last time, I was in Palm Springs on Monday. My wife, I love her, she has a problem, she's trying to work it out, she's getting to work on it, she's already signed up for uh, Emmett uh, Center for Change, for Family Center for Change, I'm not sure what it is. I have no record. The only thing I ever got in trouble for was wearing, not wearing my seatbelt because I feel if I own the car, I don't think you should tell me what I can do with it. Obviously, that's wrong. I have children. They're going to tell me what I can and can't do with them for the simple fact their mother gets in trouble. She leaves the house. She don't pick up our middle child, and she has the other two in the car. Um, reckless driving, driving under the influence of methamphetamine. I get home, or I get a phone call from her at 2.45. I'm on the job site. I'm working. Um, you know, my boss does not really like me talking on the phone. He said, today, go ahead, do whatever you have to do. But I get, I get a phone call from her at 2.45 stating, I'm sorry I hid this from you again. I'm so sorry. I'm getting pulled over. I'm under the influence. Please don't be mad. Please, please don't hate me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not a problem. You know, I, everybody makes mistakes. I get home. From Palm Springs, anytime I go out to the desert from the company I work for, I'm out there for anywhere from two to five days. Okay, so she wasn't planning on me being home for a couple of days. Hey, Come sir. Find out. Sir? Yes, sir. Sir? Yes, sir. I'm going to have to interrupt you because the show um, goes off the air at 9 a.m. But I was hey, wondering if you would call... I'm going to have to cut you off because our show goes off in less than in approximately one minute. Um, can I invite well, you to call get, back let, next let, let week? Absolutely. We yeah, only I, have I, one I minute. We only have okay. we only have one minute, and I have to do some closing statements. Okay, so please call okay, back well, in next week. I'll put you on first. Absolutely. But thank it. you for calling in. Thank you for calling in. Thank you. Okay, we have less than a minute in our show, and there are some closing statements that I wanted to be to make. I want to reiterate that if you're involved with a CPS or a DCFS case, get experienced expert representation. Number two, educate yourself. Go to our website, download the book, look at the videos, listen to our radio show every Saturday to other attorneys. Get advice. Number three, don't forget to vote. Please vote. Please register today. In your county, you can probably register today online. We want to elect legislators and judges who are going to be family-friendly to our plights about social workers taking advantage of us in juvenile court. We'll see you next week on the radio, 8 a.m. Saturday. Bye-bye.